Hello all and welcome to another episode of The Athlete's Advocate. I'm your host, Ashelle Tat, professional athlete and author of The Reality Behind the Glamour of College Athletics. Today we are joined by an incredible guest, Aileen Gallagher. Aileen is a former senior editor for New York Magazine, where she shares several national magazine awards with her colleagues, including General Excellence Online. She also led the Grub Street Food Blog Network from 2007 to 2010, the flagship site, Grub Street New York, was a James Beard Award finalist in 2010. Gallagher joined the Newhouse faculty in 2010. Her research interests are digital editorial and journalism education. She publishes and speaks regularly on these topics. A nationally recognized expert on the magazine industry, she has been quoted by numerous um, works such as New York Times, CNN, Marketplace, uh, WWD, Bloomberg, and the Associated Press, and so many others. She continues to work as a freelance editor and writer for national publications such as the Washington Post, Slate, New York Magazine, Vulture, Cosmo, and Buzz. Her bio is lengthy, guys. She has quite accomplished a lot. Um, she is obviously, you know, very important in the industry. Um, and currently, she's actually a professor at Syracuse University, focusing um, on the magazine news and digital journalism um, in, in the education department. So we're super excited to have her and super excited to to speak to her today about Brittany Griner and the situation around that. Um, and for all of you guys that don't know what's really going on right now, Brittany Griner is an athlete, a professional athlete that plays in the WNBA and she actually plays overseas as well um, when her season here is not in session. Currently, she is detained in Russia. Um, and this was in the midst of when the war was really breaking out very heavy. Um, and since then, she has been detained for about 63 to 64 days now. So we're going to talk to Professor Gallagher and just kind of get the inside scoop and get her knowledge um, on the situation from a journalist perspective. So, Ms. Gallagher, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> oh, it is my pleasure. I'm so happy to be talking more about this important topic. Now, what really, you know, brought me to your attention, uh, Professor Gallagher, is there was an article done by NPR. Um, and you were the most quoted person in that article. And some of the things that you said really stood out to me as a professional athlete and as a person living in, in society today of what's going on with Brittany, you know, as a black woman, as a gay woman, um, and then as an athlete on top of that and all that she's dealing with, being abroad, being away from home, from family, um, and not really hearing anything about it. And one of the first things that stood out in that article was, um, and you said, I was in disbelief because at the time, the war between Ukraine and Russia was was heating up and um, you mentioned that it was absurd that this isn't a huge story and that it should be dominating the airways as well as the front pages of America's largest newspapers. Can you really talk about that and where your perspective was coming from when you heard about the story in particular? What strikes me about that quote is it's still true. The situation, that's probably a month ago that I spoke to NPR about that uh, and it's still true. All those things are still true, that this should still be a gigantic story it is uh, a situation at uh, the nexus of everything we're talking about, both in American culture right now and also uh, current geopolitics. So you have, as you mentioned, you have uh, an elite professional athlete who was arrested on you know, who, who knows how valid any of the charges are, but was arrested, has been detained by a country that is at war with another country. Uh, 
that has been arrested by a country that is not known for uh, its open-mindedness about uh, LGBTQ rights. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous place. I think, um, I think for any person to be, for any LGBTQ person to be, Russia is not a particularly safe place. And to be imprisoned in a foreign country is not a safe place for any American citizen. And I'm, I'm just, I'm like, I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again because I don't like nothing has changed. All those things are still true. She is still being detained. Russia is still at war with Ukraine. And the story is still not really getting a lot of traction. Absolutely. I mean, I think the crazy thing about it is, you know, when stories were going around about what was happening or about to happen in Russia and Ukraine, a lot of athletes that play overseas during the summer or during the year when the WNBA is not in session um, were trying to head out. You know, they were contacting their agents, their family members saying, OK, you know what, I'm going to cut my season short. This is not worth it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'd rather go home. Um, and so we were kind of getting to the, I guess, middle end of those athletes getting out. Um, and it was unfortunate that she was one of those athletes that were, was held back for these charges. My thing is, there were tweets going around when it finally broke out on Twitter, because that's where I read about it, is on Twitter. Um, and most of the WBA girls were saying, well, she was detained three weeks before the news came out. And we're just like, there's all this talk about the war going on and how, you know, uh, Ukrainian needs need help and, and the aid that we're providing, the sanctions we're providing these countries. But yet you have an American citizen abroad um, that is currently being held for charges that are enormous. You know, another thing you said was uh, this is the exact you know inverse of the missing white woman syndrome. Please talk about that. And, and what does that mean and how we should view that? So missing white woman syndrome was a phrase coined by the late Gwen Eiffel, who is one of my favorite journalists. And Gwen Eiffel was talking about the way that the news media pays attention to, to crimes, violent crimes involving white women versus people of color. So when you think about coverage of uh, white women who have been kidnapped or um, perhaps or are missing and perhaps you know, killed by their partners or whatever, that gets wall-to-wall coverage. And the same wall-to-wall coverage does not happen with uh, when people of color are also victims of the same kind of violence, domestic violence, relationship violence, um, straight up abduction, all the, all those, all those terrible things that there are true crime podcasts about and the media, the pays a disproportionate amount of of attention to when those kinds of things happen to white women versus uh, women and other people of color who are more likely to experience those kinds of situations also statistically. Um, And this situation brings me to a point um, in comparison with another situation that recently happened prior to that situation where um, there was a Chinese tennis, you know, female came out and accused, you know, uh, you know, a highly, you know, public individual in China about, you know, sexual assault. And the crazy thing about that as U.S. citizens, we just push that out everywhere. 
the story was everywhere. Everyone was trying to support her and do what they could individually and as a nation here in the States to try and help this woman that was going through this situation that she came you know, out about. So the fact that that got attention in the States and it happened in China um, was kind of confusing to me because we have an American citizen where obviously the situation is not the same, but it holds the same weight and we are not giving it the attention that it needs. Um, but in that sense, also, you talked about um, how um, that the criminal charges, whether they're legitimate or not, could be serious because you mentioned the fact that they recently came out with a series of government issued policies um, against LGBTQ you know, people, you know, and, and, and how they don't allow those types of people to really live in their truth. You know, what do you think about that? And how can this be very detrimental to Britney right now being detained in Russia? If we could go back for a second to the to the tennis comparison, something that is different here and, and before uh, before you invited me to be on your show, one of the things that we talked about was that I know journalism, but I don't know sports. So so c- keep that as I'm, as I'm speaking about this in particular. But a, a big difference, I think, with tennis was that the entire tennis community, including the tennis governing bodies internationally, were very aggressive in their public support of uh, of Shui. That there, there, so there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of international pressure. There was pressure coming from the sport. And here, what we have is comparative silence from the WNBA. And something that you mentioned earlier that I thought was really interesting was that certainly the people who were playing in Russia at the time knew that their things thing the situation was tense and wanted to get out sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm sure Brittany Griner also like knew that the situation was potentially unsafe and wanted to get out sooner rather than later. So the idea then that she would further put herself at risk by like, I forgot and packed my drug paraphernalia is again, like that doesn't make any sense. It's not like she was new. She'd done this before. She'd been to this place before. She was, uh, had a better understanding of the culture, had a better understanding of how things worked as uh, a black woman and a queer woman moving through this space. Like, like, She's the expert. And so the idea that she would put herself, and again, I don't know Brittany Griner, but the idea that she would put herself at risk in such a way during such a volatile time seems kind of dubious to me. And 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 so again, like for her to understand what the laws are in in Russia, and it's not it's not technically illegal to be gay in Russia, though it used to be. Uh, not till not that long ago. It's not technically illegal, but uh, there's not a lot of human rights protections either. And uh, you know, a few years ago, when when the Olympic Winter Olympics were in Sochi, Russia, this was a big this was a big concern among a lot of LGBTQ athletes about what was going to happen to them while they were in Russia. And you know, as it turned out, Russia was not too interested in enforcing a lot of laws while they were at the focus of the world stage, but now we are effectively cut off, you know, now we, again, just to go back to what we keep saying, there is an American citizen being detained in Russia who 
uh, is unprotected for a variety of reasons. And there just doesn't seem to be much advocacy happening for her in the public sphere that I would expect for, for if it were another, another person, another athlete, another, uh, someone of, of equal uh, esteem in, in their field. Right. And we're definitely going to get into that because I have an example that I want to kind of dissect with you. Um, but you said something very important that stuck out to me. And that was, Brittany has done this numerous times. She's been playing overseas for years. You know what I mean? And so this is not her first rodeo and she plays in Russia. This was not her first year in Russia. And so Although most most athletes, speaking from a you know an athlete's perspective, although most athletes don't just get on Google and start researching the countries they're going to to kind of learn about the culture, their laws, their you know rules and regulations, they kind of know something about it. They speak to other athletes and ask, okay, you played in Russia, how was it? You know, what was the vibe there? What's the culture there? Do I do you see me as a good fit? They talk to their agents. Their agents give them the information. But one of the most important things right now is the fact that the WNBA and the NBA, especially the WNBA, is not saying anything. They've been quiet. The only things they've put out is the fact that they support Brittany. They're wishing her, you know, uh, you know, safe travels home and they hope she's home soon. She's done community work. But but why do you think they really aren't saying anything past that? Do you think um, this is working in, in, a, in, a, in a way where it could benefit Brittany with them being quiet and being silent? Is there anything happening in the background, do you think, from your perspective? I have read comments from the State Department that uh, uh, that the State Department, which is which is the uh, the part of the government that would be negotiating for her release um, and is responsible for U.S. citizens um, on foreign soil, that the State Department is kind of like we're working on this, and so uh, there are a lot of risks involved. Again, it's a very volatile and delicate situation considering uh, Russia's war with Ukraine. And so there is some uh, validity to the idea that the State Department is saying to both the WNBA and to Britney's family, like, let us handle this and let us do do it in our diplomatic ways that are often not public facing. And that will be the safest thing for her. And that you know, that's probably true. Uh, I don't I don't I actually don't doubt that at all. But what's interesting to me is where the media comes into this. The you know the media doesn't take its its marching orders from the State Department, so we can decide what we're going to cover, or not cover, and we're not covering this story very much. Uh, I mean, even before we spoke, I went to look, and it's sort of like story a week ago, maybe a couple stories. Um, just not that just not that much for someone again if you had a, a parallel version of another athlete in another sport who was at of the same cal- caliber and renown as uh Brittany is in her sport like they would be covering this nonstop. it's the best i mean just from like a news judgment perspective it's the best human interest story that you could possibly hope for. There's all this drama involved in it. It's like big name personalities. It's dangerous. It's people at risk. Like all the stuff that like I look for in a good story and that audiences look for in a good story. And, and instead we're all just going to be really quiet about it. And, and now even to the point where a lot of the coverage is about how there isn't any coverage, which is, and it's, so it's still not really about her. You know, in the same article that I read that you were featured in, 
there's a quote by TJ Quinn, who is an ESPN you know, investigator. And he said, and I quote, people around Britney and the U.S. government know that if you make too big of a deal out of it, you are only risking bringing attention to it. But you also add value to her as an asset. And you responded to this, which I really liked. You responded and you said, this is um, the charges against her um, are not legitimate. You know, that's what they're saying. We don't really know if those are true. Um, you also said that because Brittany is black, gay and American, um, she's not really being supported. Also, considering the fact that there is a series of homophobic and discriminatory laws against LGBTQ uh, people in Russia that we talked you know, that we spoke about. Um, so what do you say about, you know, the fact that if we spoke about it and there was a lot of media attention that we would be fueling the fact that she would be considered an asset for Russia in regards to what's happening with the war and how um, involved the U.S. is? In order for that to be true, there has to be an agreement among every news organization in America which just, it's not, that's not how it works. It's not, it's not like the editor of ESPN calls the editor of the New York times calls sports illustrated, uh, calls anyone, any, I, I know that basketball is, uh, journalism really lives on Twitter. Like, it's not like everyone sat down at a table and said, you know, for, for Brittany's own safety, let's all just be quiet about this until she get until she gets home. They're, that's ridiculous. There's none of that happening and they can hide behind that kind of paternalistic uh, notion. But again, in any other situation, we don't do that. Even for example, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to flake on the name, but I I can look it up. But um, in, in the nineties, it was either the late nineties or the early two thousands. There was um, an American high school student, who was in Singapore uh, on a school trip or vacation or something like that, and he uh, like spit out his gum on the street, which you do not do in Singapore. And so the the he was arrested, and the sentence for that in Singapore is public caning, uh, or that was back then. And this story was on the news all the time. And it was just like some punk kid, right? It wasn't. It wasn't a famous person. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a leading, uh, uh, like the best person to ever play their sport. It wasn't. It was just some kid. It was like this, like seventeen or nineteen year old. I don't even remember how old he was, who had like done something dumb, and then he had to pay consequences for it. And there was editorials. There was all this coverage, and. That was ridiculous. Like that's what that story was silly, right? And and there's nothing. So historically, when when there are American citizens in hostile nations on foreign soil, we cover those stories. Uh, there's another example of the guy, uh, more much more recently, who I think was in North Korea and he like stole a sign or something like that from somewhere that he was going to take home with him. And he ended up dead. Uh, they He was detained in North Korea and he was eventually got out, but he was in some sort of coma and no one really knew what had happened to him while he was in custody. And I believe he died. And again, that was a story that got tons and tons of coverage and people, how wrong this is. And 
so I'm just I'm I'm pretty shocked and angry as a journalist that a lot of the public commentary has been like, well, this is why you shouldn't bring your drug paraphernalia in your suitcase. And it's like, really? That that's we're we're all accepting that. And so there's a sort of like, well, you you did the you did the crime. And, and so this notion that, like, we're just going to accept that as true, which, again, we're talking about the Russian government. So. Right. So it's like they're, I'm not sure why we're we're siding with their version of events. Um, and and again, it is a high profile person who is a black woman, a queer woman. All like those identities all mixed together. Put you at risk in Russia. Period. And. The, but, you know, the idea that like all the journalists all had a meeting and said, you know, for Britney's own safety, we're just going to not talk about this. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Right. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, kind of going back to the article that you did, um, you also mentioned that, first of all, this is a frightening situation, uh, dealing with a frightening government, a frightening country that is at war currently that a lot of people you know tend to forget because the first few weeks I was like oh my gosh this is happening and then it kind of the stories kind of died down but it's still happening um and so as individuals here you know caring for Britney's safety and just concerned with what's going on because we're not getting anything how frightened should we would we you know we be as individuals that support her or um her family members or even the w right now how frightened should everybody be with the fact that we're not getting any news at all of where she is, how she's doing, you know, what's going on or when she'll be home. I think if I cared, if I care, if this was a person who I I cared about, uh, was close to me, I would be very frightened for them. And that's, and that's just, I don't have any specialized knowledge in, uh, you know, any more than like other people who read the newspaper about, uh, about Russia. But again, I think given her, her intersectional identities um it's a frightening place it's a frightening place to be and i'm sure that wnba players who have spent a lot of time in russia um would have much more insight into what that is like normally right about about you know what is what is the vibe there and how you know how do i move around in that world and in that culture safely and perhaps comfortably, but at least safely. Uh, obviously, uh, other people know much more about that than I do. Um, but but I do, th- I do think that you're dealing with a country that is ruled by a, a dictator who hates the United States. So that isn't good for anybody. Right. And I think we're we're so comfortable calling him, you know, a war criminal and, and we're bashing him and how he's, you know, uh, basically running his government. But yet we're scared to talk about Bernie and what's going on with Bernie. So I think it's just kind of crazy how we're putting those types of stories out, you know, and people are reading about it and, and you know, reading about him and the history of Russia and, and Ukraine and all these things that really, in a sense, I mean, have to do with us, but only to a certain degree. But then we have this American citizen that's over there right now. Um, you know, maybe fearing for her life. We don't even know that, you know, we don't even know that. Um, So you you actually, you know, you make me think about one of the things that I do know for a fact that that is happening in Russia right now is is censorship. And so in uh, in a lot of cases for people in Russia, the information that they're getting about the war in Ukraine 
is, uh, I mean, inaccurate is not even the right word. It's, it's, it's disinformation. It's intentionally uh, incorrect inf- information that is put out by the government. And, in, and uh, effectively, people cannot access s- social media outlets that they previously have been able to access. So information is very tightly controlled in Russia right now. And by not covering Britney's story, we are effectively self-censoring right now. We are playing right into what Putin is doing to his own people by not pointing out the truth and not pointing out these injustices and keeping them at the top of our national conversation. Right. Absolutely. And that's that's important to know. That's important to point out, because I didn't really think of it in that way that we're self-censoring ourselves, even though they're being censored over there. And so news is not coming out of there and news is not coming in here either or going out. Um, And so there is a story because, you know, you wanted to compare maybe NBA caliber athletes or athletes that have been detained in other countries, you know, kind of similar to Russia. Um, where they've gotten the full support they needed and, you know, uh, and the backing from the media. Um, I wanted to mention Leangelo Ball. You remember that situation in 2017? Um, he and his teammates from UC- UCLA were detained in in China and um, they were caught shoplifting, right? And I remember the president and the media and the industry leaders, business leaders were all hands on deck to get them out. And they did get out. You know, they didn't, they barely served any time. Um, while they were over there. So (laughs) compare this situation of a college athlete at the time to Brittany Griner, who's a star athlete, plays the WNBA, you know, plays um, overseas for multiple years, has some type of influence, you know, in in the sports, you know, world and industry. Why why is that the case? What what do you think is going on there? And why was there full support um, from everybody and, and full, you know, coverage with that situation? What is the difference here, really? To be honest, I don't really see one. <laughs> I mean, also, also they were. I'm, I'm I'm looking at this story to reacquaint myself with it. They were also freshmen. It's like it does, <laughs> right? Like, uh, like yes, they are. Uh, they were freshmen and got more. <laughs> more attention from both UCLA and the U.S. government, um, and um, you know, Trump was president then, which I think may make some a little bit of difference, only in that um, I don't know. I don't want to predict what President Trump would have done, but um, but yes, there was clearly like. These were college college freshmen, college freshmen, and they shoplifted. Like clearly, they admitted to that that was that was not in question, right? And so, um, and so this notion of of you know again, well, we have to go rescue our poor little chicks from uh, the the evil empire where they are going to be, um, you know, where the punishment is going to not fit the crime or whatever, and. Uh, yeah, they got out, and the consequence was not playing basketball again uh, at UCLA, anyway. <laughs> and excuse me, and for and for Brittany Griner again, we have her two months in detained for two months. We haven't heard from her. Uh, 
and there's no like no one is publicly rushing to her rescue either either actually doing it or even kind of in in media and i think there's a lot of voices it also speaks to how difficult it is i think for uh for women's sports to get any traction because i know i have seen on twitter there are a lot of former WNBA players, uh, other college basketball, uh, former college basketball players who are talking, who are trying to keep this story going. And so I think the, the conversation about Brittany in that community is very active and it is just not breaking through. Right. Do you think it's a reflection of, of us, you know, as U.S. citizens and how we I guess, value our athletes or look at, at our athletes and how um, we kind of, you know, think about their identities a little bit and how much importance they have or don't have within society alone. Um, and on the other side of it, on the reverse side, do you think it also speaks to the fact that, you know, when it comes to Black athletes, which make up a majority of these leagues, um, are we not doing enough to support them? whether, you know, the situation was their fault or not, doesn't matter the situation, if you're in harm's way, you know, are we doing enough to really support them in their time of need when they're abroad versus when they're home? Or is it all all the same? In terms of public response, you know, the, the challenge, I think, for news editors is, and, th- and those are the people who are, who are the gatekeepers who are making decisions about what's getting covered and what's not. And something I can think of a news editor saying is, well, the general public doesn't, they don't really know who Brittany Griner is. So, so we're not going to devote a lot of time to this story. And it, and it's, it's sort of a circular argument, circular argument, because it was like, well, if you covered the story, then the, the public would probably know who she was. And, <laughs> and care about her and and you know there's in, in any story there are there are groups of groups of stakeholders whose interests are represented in the story or who are who are affected by the story in some way so you have you know obviously Brittany Griner is a stakeholder her family are stakeholders the U.S. government are stakeholders um, uh, athletes are stakeholders and this is a case where you know and you've seen you've seen it with the NBA, how the NBA, uh, and again, I'm only more familiar with this because of these are the headlines breaking through. So I'm sure there's examples in the WNBA that I don't know about, and I'm and I'm sorry for that. But you see, in the NBA, where the, where players have made uh, a lot of public statements and stances as teams in in about issues of social justice, you have also seen in the NBA where uh statements are not made that may affect the ability of the NBA to have a market in China. So so this is also, you know, it's W the WNBA which is sending its players to Russia. There's a bit obviously a big audience for basketball, both NBA and WNBA in Russia and interest, you know, every 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 Russian person who is interested in uh, seeing these athletes in Russia is probably also following U.S. leagues, and so how much do they really want to push it? Either it's a it's a risk, it's a business risk for them, and we've seen what the decisions that the leagues have made before 
when it comes to China and and talking about human rights uh, records in China and the NBA didn't want to touch that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think um, it brings, a, you know, it brings up the conversation of how much pull and weight does the WNBA have? Because speaking from a sports perspective, um, as an athlete myself, the WNBA is only three months out of the year, right? Here in the States, it's like three, four months out of the year, including playoffs or so. So these athletes go overseas to make more money, to supplement their income, right? And make more money overseas. Now, what happens when they leave is that support is kind of gone. So there's like gap there, that gap there, right? Where athletes of, you know, U.S. athletes leave and they're not supported here because all of the coverage is abroad, right? In those countries, and sometimes they can't access those games or whatever. So their fans here can't follow the girls of the W overseas or other athletes overseas to kind of know what they're doing, how they're doing in those leagues and such. And so you have a league that's big here and that's only three months com- in comparison to the NBA, um, where also women play in and a lot of people don't really support women's sports, especially the W, and I really don't understand why. And so I think it, it brings up the conversation of like, what can the league do more to get more people on board so when situations like this happen we have more support to push to push these you know media companies to publish these stories that we need to publish so they know who who she is and are able to okay that's pretty grinder this is a story let's support this or you know what even if we don't know who she is this is the amount of clicks that will you know come to our website because this you know the fan base is there you know from that standpoint, what can the W, you know, do from your perspective as a journalist? What can they do to broaden that audience a little bit so we get the support that we need, the broad wind that we need to to be able to follow these types of stories, to push these media companies to do these stories? That's a great point. You know, the the kind of institutional support that a league brings, the WNBA is both like potentially uh being conservative because they are thinking about their broader interests while also being able to say, well, like she wasn't playing in the WNBA at the time. And so really how much can we do? So, uh, and, and I think fans would be less, uh, would be more outraged about that in another in another context, like if you're talking about NFL, if you're talking about NBA, that they that there would be an expectation that the league backs you up kind of in whatever context that you're in and wherever you are. Um, you know, certainly, certainly a league like the NFL in particular offers a lot of support, institutional support to uh to athletes who are have like have actually been convicted of crimes. So, I mean, but to me, that but even it goes it it's it goes even deeper than that though, because if you look at if you look at college sports as the as the breeding ground, especially for basketball, then. You know, you have incredible powerhouses in women's basketball. Um, I'm hoping that Syracuse will now be on the up and up. But, uh, you know, looking at like UConn or looking at Tennessee or something like that, like these these historic programs that are just total powerhouses in women's sports. And 
you know, like they're not, they're not, they're not getting the attention either. Right. Just at that level. And so, and then it kind of mirrors in the pro at the pro level that uh, WNBA, I think gets a lot more attention now than it did when it started, but still, but still not very much. And so in a way that you have just, just in the same way that these athletes are kind of like, well, if like, if I'm going to make money doing the thing that I can do to make a living, and I have to go put myself in an uncomfortable situation in order to do that. Like everybody's fighting for scraps, right? The league's fighting for scraps. The the athletes are fighting for scraps. And uh, until there is uh, either more money available or until kind of like all of these different institutions are banding together and trying to move forward together, they're kind of stuck. I think uh, the the two major things I think the league is missing right now in terms of the WNBA is respect and money, like you said. You know, it it, it needs more respect than it's getting right now. Um, and, and I mean, as as the ga- the game is still the same. You know, if you look at it versus you know the WNBA versus the NBA, the goals are the same. The ball obviously a little bit smaller, but the game is the same. The difference is the genders, right, playing the game, and so the fact that it's receiving less respect than um, it should have is a problem in its growth, right? And then also the lack of money, right? Um, and, and investment in the particular league, um, because I know for a fact if they had more money going around and going to these players, situations like this wouldn't happen as often, you know, or would be limited because those players would stay here, stay home and play, right? Um, and be able to reap the benefits here instead of going to a foreign country where you're forgetting that you're also an American citizen. You're not just an athlete that they love and they want to watch. You're an American citizen. And, and like you said earlier, with, uh, you know, uh, regarding our conversation, that these people, these domestic people over there are viewing us as people, not as athletes. Most of them don't follow sports. So when they see an American citizen, they're saying, oh, that's American citizen. And some of these countries don't have good relationships with America, right? And, they're, and our, you know, government and economic policies and whatever, you know, all that pertains to that. And so I think as athletes, we often forget that we are in foreign lands that we've never been to before. We're trusting these leagues to take care of us. We're trusting these coaches to take care of us, that, you know, the the team, our teammates to take care of us, our, our agents to kind of take care of us. And we, we see it as a, like a normal thing. But if, uh, you know, an, uh, an, an individual that was not an athlete, you know, traveled there and try to play the sport, it'd be a different experience for them. You know what I mean? And so I think as athletes, we've got to keep that in mind sometimes that we have to be extra careful in how we move, um, you know, um, and how we carry ourselves, regardless of we think we have support there or not. Um, so as individuals here, what can we do? What what does support look like now? If we wanted to continue that conversation um, and continue to, you know, have you know Brittany circulating in the media right now whether whether it's uh platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, what can we do as individuals that have a voice and have the freedom to speak out? What can we do to kind of get the story going again, get the hype behind it again and maybe, you know, you know, I don't know, have these media companies kind of catch on like, oh well this is a hot topic. Let's follow it and kind of get it going that way. I think athletes especially who have done this before have a really powerful voice like that's a that's a that's a really unique experience that most people don't have so i feel like you know if there was a player um if there was a player who had spent time uh, a a former WNBA player who had also spent time in russia or, or some something similar to that then 
you know, they uh, they could be writing um, like opinion pieces for the Washington Post or the New York Times talking about how dangerous this is and, you know, their own experiences of feeling um, both kind of compelled, compelled to go to be able to make a living, but also very much, uh, very much a foreign citizen, very much a foreign, a foreign person in this other, in this other culture. And, uh, perhaps that they feel alone or that they don't have institutional support, right? That they're, you know, when you talk about the expectation that managers and the, and the Russian leagues and so forth are going to, are going to look after you. I mean, probably they will. And to, to the extent that they're, that their own interests are, are served. Uh, you know, but what we see is what happens kind of when you fall, when you fall through the net, like there is no, there is no institutional support for, for, for Brittany right now. And I would encourage these uh, athletes who have a better understanding of what that world is like to be in touch with, with the big media organizations, especially New York times and Washington post and say, like, I have the story to tell, um, to be reaching out to sports reporters, to talking, to say like, you know, you should really be doing a story about what it's like to play in these leagues and how kind of risky it is and tense it is, uh, especially for, uh, you know, especially for women, especially for women of color in majority white countries, things like that. And and if they perhaps if the media is not necessarily interested in the Brittany Griner story at the moment, what they might be interested in and how you kind of start having that conversation is the experience of the athlete playing on foreign soil and the and the risks associated with that. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, you know, for our listeners right now and our supporters, what would be your last words of e- either, you know, advice, feedback or whatever the case is um, for the people listening right now um, and kind of just um, hearing you talk about your perspective, your personal opinions and your personal ideas and what you think about the whole situation as a whole? The fact that I am the person you are talking to is also absurd to me because uh, like like I am not not a sports person. I do love basketball though. But other than that, not like I'm you know, I'm not out there talking about sports issues regularly. That's that's not that is not my area of expertise normally. Uh but as a journalist, I am so befuddled by the story and so angry about my colleagues' coverage of or lack of coverage of the story. And I can't, I can't, I just I don't understand it. Like all the things that I know to be true about the kinds of stories that we care about, this story has all of it, and yet silence, silence, silence. And so I encourage that Britney's supporters to do what the media is not doing, and keep saying her name, and keep talking about her in public ways, and that and that means. Uh, for most people, what that means is social media. You can also, uh, and for for younger audiences, I know this sounds uh, crazy, but you can do things like, you know, organize letter writing campaigns to your to your local new, or not local news organizations, but to news organizations that you think should be paying more attention to this story, and write to them 
frequently. You know, it's hard for an editor to ignore a hundred emails from readers about, you know, why are you not covering this thing? And just be aggressive, you know, in terms of uh, holding these institutions to account that, you know, you say you say you cover sports and you're ignoring the biggest sports story. Like, I, like, I can't even like the biggest sports story today, for some reason, is Jay Wright retiring, which I mean, I understand why, but like, but like, I don't know that like that he had a really long career and then he retired. So that, I mean, great, great for him. And, but like on the, the other story that we could be talking about is about uh, a, an American elite professional basketball player who went to Russia and disappeared. That's what the story is. No, literally. Absolutely. That, that's literally, that's literally what it is. Like there's, there's no, nothing about her out there, you know? Um, and I think you're so right. I think it's time to organize and band together. Um, and there are so many blog posts, so many, you know, outlets out there besides the major, you know, news coverage that can be covering the situation. We don't need to wait on ESPN. We don't need to wait on CNN. We don't need to wait on those major sports, especially sports, um, media, co- you know, media companies to come out and be like, okay, well, now we support Brini and this is what she's up to. This is what's going on. We can just, you know, unionize and, and get, you know, reach out to our local, you know, newspaper or whatever the case is, wherever you are. Um, and try to get that story out. And also even, even kind of like, like the, you know, the internet works on repetition. And so if suddenly on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, there is a whole bunch of Brittany Griner content, then, you know, that tends to surface, right? And, and you need other people asking the question, like so far, this has really been raised by, by her supporters and those supporters are really her, what I would consider her colleagues, like people who have played with her um, and, or, or other, (laughs) excuse me, or other people who are part of the women's basketball community and like, get loud, get really loud right now. I think I get the sense that people have been talking to each other and, and that's really important, but now is the time for, as a group for that community to start like talking to people who have no idea who Brittany Griner is, who don't follow the NBA, WNBA, who don't like certainly are not really paying much attention to like geopolitical affairs, and and like she cannot tell her story. No one is telling her story, and your community has to tell it for her. Exactly. Right, and, and as someone as an individual, that's the the scariest part of being within a society is. Um, you know, randomly going missing or, or something happening and you have, you know, people within your circle that should be there to support you when you're not there. People that should be speaking up for you when you're not there. People that should be telling and sharing your story for others to hear and be like, well, this is what I can do, right? There are people out there that can do something and maybe they just don't know what's going on for them to help. Um, so I think you're, you know, you're super right. And I know you said that you don't regularly cover sports, but I think you should, you know, I, maybe, maybe it's time to get in there because, you know, the fact that you're so open and so authentic about how you felt and whether people thought the same thing or not, people are not putting it out there, you know? Um, and I'm so glad that I was able to come across the NPR um, interview because I was just like, wow, 
she's talking about this and no one else is talking about this. She's talking about this. The league is not talking about this and saying these things. She's talking about this. And, you know, you know, the government hasn't said anything. Like, what is the issue there? You know, what's really happening there? And I'm so, you know, so, you know, I appreciate you so much for taking the time today um, to to talk to me about this and, and kind of get a, a different perspective for once, you know, um, for some from someone that is, you know, kind of within the circle, but on the outside as well. Um, to give me their true perspective. So thank you so much for being an advocate um, and using your voice in this way. And and hopefully, I don't know, maybe you continue to put sports content because I'm really looking forward to it. I think you could do some damage. I think you can really do some damage in, in that industry. So I, I, I think you have a, a future there. And I know you don't cover it, but maybe it's time to think about it. <laughs> well, I appreciate your vote of confidence. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much. And um, I'm excited to continue following this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you.